welcome to White Noise, the podcast where two guys talk about sports, movies, television, and any other topic that crosses their minds. Lists will be made, arguments will be had, but at the end of the day, it's all just white noise. I'm Dalton Elwood, and this is my co-host, Bradley Wooster. Hello. Today, we are going to be discussing a movie that I forced Bradley to watch because he needs to get out there and does not watch enough movies that aren't Marvel Cinematic Universe related. Well, that's because I watch good movies, so there's a difference. Yeah. Well, today we watched Inception. I've seen Inception before. I'm a big fan because Christopher Nolan is my favorite director. So I wanted to make Brad watch it because I don't think you've never seen a Nolan movie that's not Batman, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I can think of anyway. Nolan's filmmaking is very unique. So I wanted to see how what Bradley thought about it. So for a very brief summary for people that haven't seen Inception, which I hope isn't very many people, Inception is a movie about people who break into other people's minds to steal secrets, essentially. And the concept of Inception is breaking into someone's mind and planning a generic idea that the person thinks they came up with themselves. So already you can tell that it's complicated. It's essentially a heist movie inside someone's brain. Yeah, that's, that's about the basic gist. Bradley, do you want to give some brief thoughts on the, on the movie and then give me your rating for it before we go deeper? Okay, so I don't really watch a lot of movies that are kind of like this complex or like this serious. So at the beginning, I was, it was starting off pretty slow for me. And so, yeah, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty bored for like the first three fourths of the movie. And then when that, like that last, when that last heist came up, that is when I was like, okay, so this is going to get interesting. And then that, this is when I started like really figuring things out and really paying attention. So the positive things to take from this movie are Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, acting. Because any movie I see him in, he's he's always good. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that I was not impressed with. Well, I mean, have you ever seen him in uh, Romeo and Juliet? Okay, okay. I was literally literally gonna say something about that. I was like, wait a second, no. Yeah. Okay. Wait, we don't. Yeah, yeah we, we can just pretend that movie doesn't exist. Yeah, I we watched it in class. I remember a little bit of it, but yeah, we don't we don't need to talk about that one. But anyway. But again, any movie I've seen him in, he's always just been good. And then what was the other guy's name? Uh, Gordon Levitt? Yeah, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, Joseph Gordon Levitt. I never see him in movies, and I wish I saw him in way more. Yeah, unless they're Nolan movies. Yeah. Like, obviously, he's got, he's in quite a bit of movies, but I'm only, I'm going to say I've only really seen him in three that I can think of at the top of my head. And that's, uh, was it? Is that really sh- that weird one, like Ron Paul or something? I don't. Don John. Yeah, that movie. Don John. I don't know what's Ron Paul. Yeah, and he's in um, Looper. Have you seen Looper? No, I haven't seen that. Looper's good, and then he's in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I've seen that. Dark Knight Rises, Don John, and then this one. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think he's a very underrated actor, and I I wish I I get in some you know more movies because I think he's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then I was. I didn't even look very well at the cast when I first started watching Inception. Like, I had no idea that uh, Tom Hardy was in it. 
anyway, so like as that last heist came, that was when I really kind of sat up in my chair and I was like, okay, now I really got to pay attention here. And that whole scene was just intense because like it got you, it, it got you at the edge of your seat a couple times and watching how they went into like the dreams and stuff. It was, again, it was pretty complex for me, but it was still a pretty cool movie. And like, I could really understand why this movie was good. So I gave it a 8.93 out of 10. And I'm, okay, that's- I would, I would probably give it over a nine, but I, I know this is kind of an opinion based um, thing, but I was pretty bored most of the movie. So, yeah, like based off of your reception, like what you told me when you're watching it, I honestly didn't think you would give it a score this high. But like, I, I completely understood how good this movie like can be like, because, you know, you're a pretty smart guy. You're probably way smarter than me. Um, sometimes, you know, I'm usually smart, too. Anyway, uh, I could definitely see why, again, it was a good movie. So I gave it that rating. But I, I would have gave it higher. But yeah, I was, I was kind of bored. So when you, when you say you're bored, were you still fascinated? Especially, you know, the scene, it's about half hour in where Ariadne, when she's first learning how to build the levels, you know, and she yeah. takes the, the road and she like folds it on top of itself. Like, did that? Still, is that still so, like intriguing yeah, like, to you? Yeah, I don't want to say like it was just completely boring. Where I said the movie, like I thought the movie sucked. It was just like I lose focus really easily, and that was it was kind of a movie where it made me lose focus a lot. Um, yeah, I can I can see how that would be boring. Like, it's definitely a slow movie at the beginning. It's building this massive world for like thirty to forty five minutes, and this concept of something that we obviously can't actually do. So there's a ton of buildup, and I can definitely see how it would be boring. It can also be confusing. If you get the littlest bit confused, you're fucked. So that can also add to that. Yeah, I would kind of lose. I would kind of lose focus a lot. So I'd re, I'd kind of forget. I'm like looking at my phone, and I'll look back at the TV, and I'll be like, "Oh crap, what happened here?" Yeah. So there there were there were a few parts where I was kind of like, "Oh crap, I probably should have watched that," but too late now. So there are yeah, again, there are some parts I. I missed that probably shouldn't have paying attention to. Yeah. But like I said, in a movie like this, it's really easy to do. You check your phone once and it's just like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Which is hard. You know, when you're watching a movie at home, everybody checks their phone. So when you're watching something like this, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's kind of hard to like say I was bored of this movie because like, because I don't want to say it's a bad movie because it's really not. It's just, you know, people have opinions and shit and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. This was kind of an opinion thing that I was bored. Yeah, but again, I, yeah, it's a good movie. I know other people that get bored by this movie too. So don't yeah. feel like it's a problem or anything. Because it's definitely like it's definitely slow. And yeah. like the reason I love it so much is because I, I really like movies that make you think and that like introduce new concepts. Mm-hmm. So I personally enjoy sitting there and thinking and like overthinking about this. And like the implications of it, but that's not for a lot of people, which is what. Plus, the fact that the cast is really good, and it's got a lot of Nolan regulars in it, mm-hmm. and the third act is really good. A lot of movie, like especially like the Dark Knight movies, the Dark Knight trilogy, and some some other Nolan movies, like they kind of fall off in the third act. I think 
one of my personal favorites, the prestige, the third act is kind of weak, but in inception, I think the third act, like it, it's the peak of the movie. It's the best act of the movie. The first act is extremely slow. Yeah. Then the second act, you know, we're getting in the middle of things. And then the third act is really good. I will say I fucking hate the ending of this movie. Like it seems kind of cheap. Like I don't, I'm not, I don't really like open-ended endings that like, you don't really know what the fuck actually happened in this movie. He spins the top and it never topples over. And that's just it. And it yeah. seems like such a cop out. Cause it's like, we don't know if this actually happened or if it's a dream or what's going on. And you built this whole movie, this like two and a half hour movie up and you build it up to get to this end point just to be like, Oh, Fuck you, viewer. You're never going to fucking know what actually happened. It makes me so pissed because I love this movie. And then the ending just says, fuck you. Yeah. I thought the ending was kind of, I thought the ending was kind of odd too. I was like, that, that, that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you're sitting there watching that spin. I'm just like, okay, so it's going to fall over. What, so what am I supposed to be watching here? But uh, again, overall, like I really like the, the plot of this movie was and like you don't really see movies like this i guess like you're going into someone's dream and then going into their dreams dream and mm -hmm. you know taking information and stuff like that like it's i thought that was really cool that's why i was i don't i kind of told you i wanted to see the movie just because of that because you know i think that's cool and it's just you know again it wasn't you know one of my favorite movies of all time just because let's repeat it again, like we've been repeating the whole time that it was boring. But and I think one of the downfalls of this movie is see, like I think it's super, super interesting that like at the first level of dream, like in the heist specifically, it's yeah. first layer lasts a week, and the second layer lasts six months, and the third layer lasts ten years. If you were to be stuck there the whole time, because the deeper you go, the lot like because at the beginning, five minutes in the real world is an hour in the dream world because your brain moves fast or functions faster or whatever. I really liked that. And then they added in limbo and the concept of limbo, they don't really do a very good job of like fully explaining. Like we know. Yeah. That's what Leo, I was kind of do because I was like, what? Yeah. Like we know Leo's character gets stuck there and he spends like 50 years there with his wife, but then they get hit by a train and they come back to the real world right but they, yeah. at the beginning they make it seem like limbo is something that you can like get lost in and not know how to get out of you could spend eternity there and then we find out that leo and his wife just did what you can do in any other dream state and killed themselves and then they come back so like yeah. my question is like why the fuck did they spend 50 years there in the first place if they could have just killed themselves off rip and gone back to real world once they added in limbo it made it too complex. Yeah. And then like when they're in the heist and they are three layers deep in Killian Murphy's character's brain. Yeah. And then they have to go a layer deeper to limbo to save Killian Murphy. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know how they got to limbo. I don't know if I missed yeah. that. And I've watched this movie multiple times and I still don't know. The whole concept just kind of fucks the movie over. It's still a good movie. But it just makes it way more complex than it needs to be. Yeah, and that was there were that was kind of me too in that heist. Like I was, I was understanding that they were going deeper and deeper. But like again, like this is limbo. I'm 
kind of lost here. But again, I there were some parts of the movie I probably shouldn't have been paying attention to. But and also the I don't really like the the opening when the opening is actually the ending, you know, and it's Leo finding Saito, and Saito's really old. It's I don't really like that because they just show that scene really briefly. Like I understand it's supposed to be like foreshadowing or whatever, but it kind of just seems pointless. Like it doesn't need to be there. I guess I was kind of confused about like why he was old. So he pretty much did what Leo and his wife did, and he spent a whole he spent like fifty years and grew old in limbo until again Leo found him, and then he just decided that hey yo I'm a kill. Which like their whole thing is like once you go to limbo, you don't really know what reality is anymore. Yeah, and then it's how Mal killed herself. That was <laughs> that was that was good. Aside from the ending. And then Limbo just being dumb, in my opinion. I gave this movie like a 9.3 out of 10. I really enjoy it. Like I said, I really like movies that make you think, and this one definitely does, and sometimes oh, it yeah. makes you think too much. But the cast is really, really, really star-studded. Like you said, Leo, I mean, Leo doesn't do bad movies. He's just constantly the star of every single thing he's in. He's an amazing actor. It definitely felt like it, it dragged on in spots, especially at the beginning. But it's really, really well done cinematically. Like, oh, yeah. Nolan is so good at shooting things that you wouldn't ever really think of. Uh, the one, one scene I really like is when the van is the van in the first layer of the dream is doing a tumble. And then in the second layer of the dream, Joseph Gordon Levitt's character is like fighting security guards while the hallway is rotating because the van. Yeah. Cause the van's like, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good scene. That movie was made literally like almost 12 years ago. And like how good it looked was, is just insane. Yeah. Cause again, you know, technology has, has advanced since then too. So yeah, for sure. Did it win any kind of like awards or anything or. Yeah, uh, Inception won. It won four Oscars actually that year. Okay. Best best visual effects, best sound mixing, best cinematography, and best sound editing. Oh, that Christian Bale must not have been in Inception because he was in The Fighter that year. Because you know Christian Bale is like uh, Christopher Nolan mainstay. Like he's in a lot of his movies. The Fighter. Yeah. He actually won Best Supporting Actor that year for The Fighter, which I've never seen, and I don't know what it's about. I'm assuming it's about a fighter, if I had to guess. Oh, okay, okay. I was thinking uh, Tom Hardy was in that movie for some reason. That's Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale, okay. Were there any other scenes in this movie like that stood out to you, specifically, cinematically? Oh, not really, but I was glad we finally, obviously we were going to find out eventually, like what was going on with the Cobb. Leo's character, like mm-hmm. why he was like kind of different than the others, because because he was basically those memories were st- like he kept those memories locked. Would you say she was trapped in his memories, or? Well, yeah, because she's she's dead, and now all he yeah. has left of her is memories, and he can't stop thinking about her because he knows he's the reason she's dead. Because yeah. for some reason, he thought it would be a good idea to perform Inception on his own wife. He went in right and. Made her think that her world wasn't real. When yeah. Home Dog literally could have just like killed her. Like, it sounds bad, obviously, but he could have easily just like did a little 
nice little quick double homicide murder suicide real quick and they would both be back in the real world but instead he's like let me fuck with her brain like he just took it too far he could have literally just grabbed the shotgun off the wall and been like all right we're going back to the real world get ready yeah i thought that was that was pretty fucked when he was talking about that like he's but but then the part where she was like basically trying to frame like she was basically framing him for murder (laughs) a little excessive a little bit yeah (laughs) they didn't really go into detail with that other than like he left the country and it never really explains like it gives a little like when he's talking to michael kane's character who is his dad Dad. maybe question mark or his wife's father or maul's father it doesn't really explain right yeah but i guess you assume he's his dad because he says like he implies that he learned how to extract from people's minds from michael kane's character but that's like all the backstory we get into Cobb that's not related to his wife. But like we assume it's his dad and he learned how to extract from him. But we don't know why or when or how. Yeah. And then also like another thing I was confused about is like Maul mentions like they're going back to their real children when she's like wanting to jump off the ledge. You know, when she's about to do that, yeah. she's like, oh, we're, don't worry, we're going back to our real children. Like, so do they make babies in limbo too? And also have children in the real world. I that's confusing to me. I didn't figure you could procreate in limbo. Yeah, well, she. Yeah, I don't know. She had her brain so fucked up that she was just basically living a dream her entire life. I guess she thought she was just dreaming, but yeah, I guess I don't know either. Yeah, that kind of, that limbo thing was kind of confusing to me. I, yeah, that's a huge. That's a huge thing. I was a little confused by, but. There's this one review that I see on Rotten Tomatoes that I really like. She says, Inception is an intriguing, frustrating film, but ultimately satisfying. And I think that's exactly how I think about it. Like the beginning, you're like, oh shit, this is cool. And then there's some yeah. parts like we've been talking about that just make you mad because they don't, you don't know what's going on. They don't make sense. But then she says, but ultimately satisfying. Yeah, it'd be satisfying if they just didn't fucking leave it open-ended. They could have they ended it without him spinning the top. He could have just met his kids. He could have got back home and been just, just said hi to the kids. Perfectly fine. Movie ended. I'd be happy. But nah, they're like, hey oh, let him spin this top and say fuck you to everyone watching. That, that one little thing. If he never did that, this movie would be a lot higher. Yeah. Like, I, it'd be in like the 9.5, But the ending is... is so fucking frustrating. I've seen a lot better endings than that. Yeah, I've seen a lot better Nolan endings than that. Yeah. Like the prestige wraps up so perfectly. I really need to see that. Yeah. Oh, it. it used to be on Netflix. Did we ever look up if it was on anything? Yeah, it was said it wasn't, but I didn't actually look on Netflix. I probably will tonight or something. Yeah, it's not on anything. Unless you yeah. rent it on like Amazon Prime. But and the funny thing about this movie is it's not even Christopher Nolan's most like convoluted, confusing movie. Like he came out with Tenet 2020, 2020, 2020, I think, right? I've seen that one either. I think it was 2020 when Tenet came out. And that movie is so fucking convoluted. First time I watched it, I had to watch like a goddamn 40 minute YouTube video going into depth everything that happened because I didn't have a fucking clue. So at least this movie doesn't do that. Like, you don't have to be a PhD to understand what's going on in this movie, for the most part. 
like for tenant, I felt like I had to have my fucking diploma hanging on the wall next to me to know what was going on. Oh, I see. Uh, Michael Caine's in that one. Not surprised. Michael Caine. Is there a goddamn? I genuinely don't know if there's a Nolan movie that he's not in, right? Because he's in the Dark Knight trilogy. He's in Inception. He's in The Prestige. He's in Tenet. Is he? He might not be in Dunkirk. I can't remember. Okay, Batman Begins. Dark he's Knight. not in Dunkirk. Oh, he is in Dunkirk. Holy fuck, dude! Also, like Killian Murphy, Tom Hardy in Dunkirk. Two more regulars. Yeah. Oh, Barry Keoghan's in Dunkirk. You know who Barry Keoghan is? The guy that's playing the Joker and oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the new he Batman is. trilogy. Yep. Or in the yep. he might be in the TV show too. I watched like the first forty minutes of that movie last night. The Dunkirk. Okay, so now we've transitioned beyond Inception, and now I'm just trying to find out if there's a single single fucking Christopher Nolan movie that Michael Caine isn't in. He can't be in Memento, right? Like that came out in two thousand. Hold up, Interstellar. Is he in Interstellar? He is. Oh my god. You, you said he is in Tenet, right? So Interstellar, Tenet, the whole Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, Dunkirk, and he's in Prestige, The Prestige. Oh my God, I don't think he's in. He's not in Memento. We've done it. We've done it. <laughs> um, he isn't in Christopher Nolan's first movie, like his first feature film, I should say. And then, okay, he's not, he's not in Insomnia either, which is the next movie he did in 2002. And then after that, he did Batman Begins in 2005, and every single Nolan movie since 2005, Michael Caine is in. I don't know what illicit pictures Michael Caine has of Christopher Nolan to just keep getting work. <laughs> like, I love Michael Caine, but how the fuck does he get work in every single Nolan movie? He's got to have some dirt on him or something. I don't think there is a whole lot more to say about Inception. What rating did you give it again? 8.93 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has it as an 87%. So that's actually pretty consistent there. I think that about wraps up the Inception talk. Unless you have anything else you want to comment on. At this point, it would just be me nitpicking shit, which I don't think people really want to hear. Nah, I think we've pretty much covered everything. So I would say that the first Dalton making Brad watch movie segment which needs a new name but i'm too lazy to come up with a name has been a success brad gave it an 8.9 uh i'm guessing he probably like 90 percent of the 8.9 he gave it was just so i wouldn't be pissed at him which no. i wouldn't yeah you would we will get done recording this and then you'll drive three hours to my house and like murder me you know, I'm not that that passionate about this movie. Now, if it was like the prestige, if you if we watch the prestige and you give it like less than a nine, it's hands. And like that movie is also less complicated than this one. So yeah, that that wraps up that segment. Now I think we're just gonna transition to just casual talk, uh specifically probably sports talk. If you are listening and you don't like sports and you were just here for the movie talk, uh thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next episode, hopefully, in which I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. So stay tuned. Um, but for those of you that enjoy sports, stick around. We will be talking about sports for just a little bit. Brad, do you want to kick us off with something you would like to discuss? So the NFL draft is Thursday, the 28th. Now, other than baseball, I'm 
And we're both pretty big football fans. You know, he's cheers for the Dallas Cowboys for some reason, not mm. a big giant. So, of course, you know, Dalton's Cowboys had a pretty damn good season. Not a surprise there. Hmm. Had some fixed their defense pretty well. People like, honestly, you say we had a pretty good season and then we lost in the first round. Yeah. And like that just brings more pain than being yeah. like a Giants fan and then just being shit because they get a good draft pick. And we played well. And I had to watch Dak slide like half a second too late and the clock run out because our offensive line touched our lineman touched the ball too early and didn't let the line judge touch it. And that was just pain. Like I was, I mean, you were there, we watched it together and I was just in pain. I instantly, the game got over and I took like a fucking hour long nap for relieving yeah. my stress. Yeah. That was the, that was the thing. Like what you were saying about how, you know, the Cowboys have a good season and lose in the first round that or the first round of the playoffs. And then, you know, the giants, it's like better for, for you to like, you know, your team's going to suck and not go to the playoffs than watching your team be so good, go to the playoffs and lose in the first round. But yeah, that's that's the thing being a Giants fan. These last, you know, what is it, five, six years, we've just been getting really good first round picks. But when you have Dave Gettleman as your general manager, that just makes you want to, you know, blow your brains out. Because wow. <laughs> um, you know, I was pretty aggressive there, but I that guy frustrated me so much. You know, there I was a huge, so it was 2018 draft. I was sitting in my living room and we had the second pick. And I was like, wow, I'm a, I'm a really huge fan of Saquon Barkley because he was like the, you know, the top skilled player in the draft probably that year. And, and, you know, I was pretty excited. I was like, okay, this is the move. We should definitely do this, get this running back, really help our offense out. And the thing I didn't realize is, there were so many different pieces we really needed that year. And I was so high on Saquon. And yeah, he had an amazing rookie season, but what what did our team look like it look like is the thing. Like we went, I want to say we went three and thirteen or something like that. And it didn't do anything for us. We just still sucked. And then the next year we went and got that's when we got Daniel Jones. And I was hey. that was uh that was not a good quarter. Well, well I guess it was. Because Josh didn't just, uh, was Josh Allen that draft? No, no, that it was the other Josh Allen. It was the DN Josh Allen. Oh, draft. the DN Josh Allen. Yeah, like because I think we were. Yeah, Kyler Murray was in that that draft too. Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, and Haskins were the first three quarterbacks taken. But yeah, that was. We all knew Kyler Murray was going first pick, basically by like the, the week before the draft. But yeah, we knew Kyler Murray was going to get taken. I was sitting there like, because at this time, I really wanted Dwayne Haskins, like, because I knew we had to get a quarterback that year because Eli was, was basically done. Like, he, his, he was done. He's aged. He's proven that he was a great quarterback. First ballot Hall of Famer. Don't realize when I say that. But I, I was even getting Dwayne Haskins because of, like, how great he was in, you know, Ohio State. Um, RIP, by the way. But, uh, and I was sitting there as we as our pick came up, the sixth pick of that draft. I was sitting in a restaurant as I pulled the waitress to turn on the TV. And I was sitting there watching. I was like, okay, Dwayne Haskins, it's gotta be it. We gotta get a quarterback here because you know Eli's about done. And then he goes, 
With the sixth pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Daniel Jones from Duke University. And I just sat in the back of my chair and threw my hands up like, what the fuck? <laughs> you, you can't. The guy was at Duke. <laughs> like, I already knew, like, something wasn't going to be great with, with that. And I was like, why? And I don't know. It doesn't really help that the Giants coaching was terrible, but you can you can kind of guess when you take a quarterback from Duke, like how that's going to turn out. So I was yeah, pretty, especially upset. when elite Iowa football player TJ Hawkinson was still on the board. Yeah, that would have been nice too. Other than, I mean, the Giants had Evan Ingram, who they thought was going to be good at that time. Yeah, turns out he's really not that good. But it's Ow. you know, and see that was the thing. Like I, I. Looking back at it, I probably shouldn't have been so huge on a quarterback that draft because I'm pretty sure the next year's was probably better. So, but anyway, so then the next year we drafted Andrew Thomas. That's probably the best pick, first round pick we made in the last five years. Right there's Andrew Thomas because he's been a great left tackle. And if you see like all the clips from the past two years, or I wouldn't say past two years, but yeah, about last year and a half actually, because he kind of got better toward the end of the season. And he got so much better, and he's he's probably a, I don't know, he's probably at least I would say he's a top fifteen left tackle. You said, uh, or you mentioned taking Daniel Jones, and then the next quarterback class in twenty twenty. Yes. Um, yeah. You know who the next who the two picks after Andrew Thomas in twenty twenty were? Two picks after? Yes. Directly after five and six. I don't. Tua and Justin Herbert. So just imagine for a second, you don't take Daniel Jones in 2019. Yeah. 2020, you get Justin Herbert. Or, yeah. I mean, even Tua, I, in my opinion, is an upgrade. I think Tua gets too much hate, right? Like yeah. everybody says he can't throw the ball deep, but he can. Like not at yeah. an elite level, he still can. Yeah. But he's also good in many other facets. Yeah. So I like I really look forward to seeing what he can do this year with Waddle and Tyreek. Two of the fastest receivers in the league. That's mm-hmm. gonna be for the Dolphins. Like that was and Mostert in the backfield. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I want to see what I, he can do. People forget about him too. That guy is a hat. Oh, I don't forget about him. I'm I picked that motherfucker up in Madden. Yeah. Well, I get like 95 speed on him. Oh. No, but anyway, yeah, that Andrew Thomas one was probably the best pick we made in the last. Yeah, I mean, they could have taken Tristan Wirfs instead, but. Yeah, like, that's who I thought we were going to go. Like, I was thinking, okay, we're going to get Wirfs, Wirfs or Wills or whatever his name is. And I was like, those are the two we're going to get. And then Andrew Thomas is just that third option. And Becton. Yeah, and Becton. But I don't, I don't think I had him. I think I had Becton. That's my fourth choice. I think I had, I think I had Wirfs, Wills, Thomas, Becton. And as the pick came up, I was like, all right, here we go. Because I knew we were getting tackled. Like, everybody knew the Giants were getting tackled. And that was, and it was Andrew Thomas. I was like, hey, not my first choice, but this is still, it was still a good move. Good move. We needed a tackle, and we went and got him. I remember that draft thinking the Cowboys had the 17th pick. The mm-hmm. whole draft, I was just like, all right, we're going defense. Um, specifically, oh, this is I thought we were going to get that uh, – Chase on the D end. Yep. Right. From LSU. Yep. And instead, CD Lamb just keeps dropping. 
And I'm sitting next to my dad, who's also like all my favorite sports teams I get from my dad, which is nice because we, you know, we can talk about a lot of things. And I'm sitting next to my dad watching the draft and we're just like, is he, is he really like, is he really going to fucking fall to us? Or like, even, we're like, even if he falls to us, are we still like, do we want that? Because, you know, we had Amari and we had Gallup, Zeke, Dak, like our offense is already stacked at that time. Yeah. And then the 17th pick comes around, CeeDee Lamb's still on the board, and I am shitting myself. Like, if we don't fucking pick him, and then we do. I was in shambles. I was so happy. And see, like, that's the thing you want to do. And I, this is what Joe Shane, the, GM for the, the new GM for the Giants, and Brian Dable are saying, the head coach. Like, they're going to take the best players available. They're not going to just, they're not just going to go, oh, we need this position. Oh, we need this position. They're not going to be what Gettleman was doing. Because that's what Gettleman was doing. He was going by position. He wasn't going by, he wasn't going by the best player available, and that's what the Cowboys did in that draft. They went and got. They already had, you know, their tar, you know, their receivers, but CD Lamb was probably the best available player. Then they went after. So that was like, because I remember I texted you too, and like saying that was an amazing. That's crazy how he dropped so far. And again, you were already stacked there, but you he was the best available, and I think that's what every team should do, not yeah. just reach the best position. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really good strategy. I think that's what the Giants have been doing, and because we definitely did that when we drafted Daniel Jones, because that was not a great quarterback draft. So it was quite frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, and then the next year's draft was the best move in that draft, in last year's draft, was our trade back. That was the best move when we got. The Bears' first round, because I knew the Bears weren't going to be that great anyway. So I was like, okay, we're going to have two decent first round picks because we're, I was like, I actually at the time had high hopes for the Giants, like a little too high. I was thinking like a nine win season for some reason and saw how that turned out. But anyway, like that's not even that high of expectations. That's kind of sad. Well, yeah. And (laughs) yeah, exactly. Like it's not even that much wins, but it was like, that's, that's a good, like, uh, you know, Improvement because oh, yeah. last this year before we went six and ten, and you know, mm-hmm. nine wins was a two game improvement basically because you add it would the, have been nine and eight, yeah, this year, yeah. So, and that, like, obviously not the best overall, but that would have been great, like, that would have been a good improvement. But so we trade back, and I'm thinking, okay, the Bears aren't gonna be good, so maybe you know, 10th, 11th, 12th pick next year, and then the Giants would be like 18 or something like that, 18 to 20. And so I was like, okay, this is a pretty good pick, you know, a good, pretty good move. And then we got some other draft picks out of it. And then we got the 20th pick, I believe it was. And we drafted Kadarius Tony. Now and he rests in peace. He's not dead, yeah. but he is to the Giants. So yeah. 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 We'll get to that about get to Tony here in a second. But so that was kind of that was that was actually a little bit of a change because we didn't really hundred percent need a receiver. We kind of did sort of a Cowboys thing, but you know, the Cowboys was a whole different thing because that's that's CD Lamb. So yep. that's a different thing. But like it kind of looked like that's what they tried to do. And like I didn't I wasn't really upset about the pick, but I was like, Buddy Pay was available. And we had no pass rush. So I was thinking we would go you see the Quiddy Pay at a Rosso. Or something from Michigan. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Yeah. And 
I was thinking we would go. He might have actually got picked up before that. But anyway, I was thinking no. we'd go like hey, mm-hmm. yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know if he did or not, but yeah. But I was thinking we'd go Quiddy Pay there because it's like, okay, this is probably the best, you know, player available. And apparently we saw something in Tony, which Tony is very athletic. He had a great senior season at Florida. Like that kid was insane. He can move. He can, he's basically like a human joystick. And I was like, okay, I could see it. I could see this. So then we get into the season and Tony is hurt for like the first, I don't know, three or four games, whatever it was. So we don't even get to see him for like weeks. And then he finally comes in. I was the Cowboys game his first game. It was one of his first. And yeah. of course the guy just goes off. And that was when Daniel Jones got hurt really bad. Mm. And he was the only receiver, the only receiver Glennon was throwing to. And the guy goes, goes off for 11 catches and 189 yards. But of course, no touchdowns because the Giants offense doesn't do that. So, so yeah, that was like, holy crap, this guy, this kid can do something. Like, you know, and then we go on to the next games and he's just not doing shit. We're just not throwing the ball to him. So I just, it turned out to be not a great pick because then he was hurt for like the rest of the year and he'd maybe get like a catch or two when he played. And the other thing is I was really huge on getting Kenny Galladay too. Like I had, he's one of my, he was always one of my favorite receivers to watch just because how big he is, how versatile he is because, or how versatile he is, whatever the word is, English is hard. But anyway, um, like, if you've seen what the Lions, all Stafford had to do was just throw it up, and that guy would go up and grab it. Like, there was an insane catch I watched, and I won't forget, is he had, like, two or three people all over him, and he, like, landed so hard and still somehow could hold on to that ball. And we did not see that hitting all day on the Giants, and it was really frustrating because, like, I knew he could be good, and the Giants just didn't have an offense, so we just wasted $72 million on him. So... I'm hoping this year it'll be better because I really like Galladay and I really don't like seeing him suck. Fair enough. Yeah, so I guess we can, if you want to say anything about your Cowboys or anything like that. Well, I did want to say, um, I do remember like when when Tony was drafted. Obviously, I remember it. It wasn't very long ago. Um, Like some people were saying he wasn't even the best receiver like on the board left. Like a lot of people I know I saw had Bateman over him. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know. I don't remember what kind of year Bateman had. Nah, great. Nothing to really write home about. He, I think he was hurt most of the season. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like the only people that I saw defending the Tony pick were Giants fans on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They were like clowning everybody who, which, again, a rookie season doesn't mean anything. But now it's been one year, and he's already. Did he request a trade or no? Okay. So, so what, what were they saying? So basically, a random, I wouldn't say a random account. His name is, let me find him real quick. Apparently, a lot of Giants fans hate this guy because he comes up with like a lot of false news, I guess. Oh, Pat Leonard is his name. He's like an NFL com, a columnist. Um, he's a Giants beat writer for New York Daily News Sports. But anyway, apparently a lot of Giants fans don't like him because he, I guess he spreads a lot of false news and stuff. So when that first drop, people were like, you know, taking shots at him because like they were saying how this isn't true. There's no way he'd want out just because he's not been showing up to um, voluntary minicamp doesn't, you know, they think he's what he's wanting out or whatever. 
again, yeah, it kind of sucks that he's not there because it's not just, I don't want to say selfish, but it's kind of a team thing. Like Kenny Galladay in an interview said, like, he went back, he went to this, you know, he went to this mini camp because he, you know, last season sucked. And he was just dying to get back and get better because, you know, he doesn't want to have another season like that. So he wants to get in and get to work quick and get, a, you know, a head start. And someone asked him, like, has anybody been talking to Tony? And he was like, um, I haven't really talked to him much, but I'm going to, Chip and I are going to try to talk to him and see, what, see if we can get him here. So, you know, I if I was Tony, like, Again, you don't know what's going on with him. Yeah. Maybe he's having issues, or maybe he's just training, you know, personally or something. Yeah. I mean, he could be having family issues. He could be having yeah. mental health issues, relationship issues. Yeah, and that's the thing we don't know. People go like, oh, well, he's gone. He's not going to be a Giants anymore. He's not here. And it's like, you can't say that because mm-hmm. we don't know. And, yeah, it sucked, and I wish he was there. But, again, we don't know what's going on. So then I guess Pat Leonard dropped this TikTok saying how the Giants were open trading him. So the thing is, I can't really tell if it's true or not. I have no, like, hardcore evidence that it's true. Because apparently Tony's put something on his Instagram story saying something about how the internet is always lying or something. So let me see if I can find that story. I hate when NFL players try and be cryptic. I don't know why it's, like, specifically an NFL player thing, I feel like. But yeah. I'm always hearing stories about like like Kyler Murray. He deleted or he archived all his posts with the Cardinals and he unfollowed them. Like, stop trying to be so fucking cryptic. Who cares? Yeah. There's so many NFL players that do that. They just like delete their posts and unfollow them. And they think that that's going to like push the organization to extend them. Like, oh shit, he unfollowed us on Instagram. Whatever will we do? Like, no, it's a fucking business. We're grown men. Stop doing dumb shit. Yeah. And like to even do that, like, come on, don't be like that. And it's not like the Cardinals aren't going to pay the man because Kyler Murray is good. There's a lot of stuff he needs to work on, you know, not like being good in the, get- the beginning of the season and just suck, but <laughs> act better, sadly. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I wish I could say the same about my quarterback, but you know. No, anyway, basically, this story that Tony put on, he said it was the internet is so uh, gullible or whatever. But the other thing is, I could see him getting traded because Gettleman fucked us over so bad with their salary, our salary cap. It, it's just, we have no money. We have the, like, the smallest cap space. I think we have like the second class because apparently the bill they're third last because the bills and someone else have more or less cap space. But like we have like no money. We have to have like a certain amount of money to draft our players, apparently. And I think we're like nowhere near that. So I could see us trading Tony because we need we need the space and we also need to trade Bradbury. I don't want to trade back Bradbury, but if we want to get money, we might have to. Tony's contract isn't that big, right? I don't think so. Like, it's not I don't know how much bad. space he'll clear. I don't really know what the worst contracts on the Giants are. I also didn't know that their cap space was that bad. It's kind of a bad oh. combination to be rebuilding and also have no cap space. Exactly. That's like, kind of embarrassing. It's very bad. Like, yeah, because we are technically rebuilding. We have no money. 
yeah, that's not good. Yeah. So we have we really couldn't do a whole lot in this offseason. We still made some we still made some good moves. Like we got some linemen. Like the Glinski and Feliciano, those were probably two those were probably my two two favorite moves we made. Like those are two good linemen. I'm not gonna say they're the best, but they're two good linemen. I wish we could have probably got better tackles, but honestly, I think a lot of those those ones are a little bit more expensive. So we got we got Glinski, who's a good guard from the Colts. And we got Feliciano, who was a good guard for the Bills, and he's actually going to be our center. Well, the Dallas Cowboys only got worse this offseason. Yeah. That was... Randy Gregory pulled the old fucking switcheroo on us. That was crazy. Because it just popped up that he was signing with the back with the Cowboys. And then I want to say, like, not even 10 minutes later, it was Brockett. Yeah. That was really fucked. Because that was like what you guys were wanting to do. You were like going to have space to sign him back. Yeah, he did. He pulled a whole ass DeAndre Jordan on us. Yeah, when DeAndre Jordan was going to go to the Mavs, and then said, "Ha, fuck." Oh, well, that's that's reversed. They thought Jordan was leaving, but he came back. We thought Gregory was coming back. He left. Yeah, yeah. But do you know who the Giants' number one cap hit is? I'm pretty sure it's Galladay. No, it's not. No, and it's not Bradbury either. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. He takes up thirteen point two one percent of their cap space. Leonard Williams. It is. It is Leonard yep. Williams. Twenty seven point three million dollar cap hit. Yeah, I was. I don't want to. I don't. I like Leonard Williams, but the part of me was like, is he worth this much? <laughs> but I guess I never thought about how much he was actually making. So yeah, that is crazy. I knew he so just. If they could trade that. him, they'd be chilling. Yeah, but. <laughs> They don't want to because we need that. We need him as a D lineman. Yeah. And so how old is Leonard Leonard Williams? I think he's almost he's almost thirty or getting there anyway. For correlation, uh, the Cowboys' number one cap hit is their quarterback. Yeah. And he makes or his cap hit is eight million less than Leonard Williams. That's also less than James Bradbury. And then we've got Zeke second. Which is tough because he's washed. I would love to cut ties with him and or trade him, which is sad because I've loved Zeke ever since we drafted him. But we have Tony Pollard, who is honestly, in my opinion, better at this point in Zeke's career. Because yeah. Zeke just doesn't have the quickness. But yeah, Zeke's Zeke's just lost a step. Um, and you can see it. In the reps that Pollard got, he's just quicker. He hits the hole harder. He makes more people miss. He gets an open space. So if there's some way we could get rid of Zeke, I would be very open to that. Yeah, because that's what we're the Giants are going to have issues with. Like, I think Saquon's going into his last year of his contract. Yes, yeah, going into his last year of his contract, and we have to like sometime in May to decide if we're giving him the fifth year option. Now. If I were the Giants, I would not give him that. If he keeps having the seasons like he just did, like that's that's gonna hurt us, and we're gonna be paying him that money to you know for him to suck like that. I, I would say, hey, you do good this year, Saquon, and we'll resign you, but or we'll give you a contract extension. But I I wouldn't give him the fifth year option. I I don't think it's a great move right now the way he's been playing because. We need to start thinking for the future, not just start thinking for Saquon. Yeah. Because what if Saquon just 
is done because that'll be that'll suck if we're stuck with him. So again, I don't think we should give him that fifth year option. That's yeah, I mean, they like they always they say now that you know running backs are so replaceable. That's yeah. why you shouldn't ever take a running back in the first round, let alone with the second overall pick. Yeah, which I can't say much because Zeke was the fourth overall pick, but at least yeah. Zeke, you know, he had his prime. He led the league yeah. in rushing yards like three years in a row. Zeke actually did stuff. Saquon had yeah. a really good season, and then like you can find a running back in the second or third round that'll do what Saquon can do, as long as yeah. they have a good offensive line around them, right? Like that's. 90, like 75% or more of your run game is your offensive line, and the rest is your running back. Yeah. And you can, you don't need a super skilled, high, you know, super high talent, high draft pick running back to actually have a good run game. Yeah. So there's really no point in holding on to someone like Saquon or Zeke when you can find a replacement so easily. Yeah. Like this upcoming draft, I, there's some pretty good running backs in this draft. I say it's pretty underrated uh, running back class. Because, you know, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, James Cook, um, I think it's Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller. Uh, there's two, two more good ones, at least. I can't think of their names. But, like, it's, there's some pretty good running backs in this draft. Like, and most of them can, you know, run and catch. So, and that's like, Football is now. It's a passing league now. It's not, you're not just going to get running backs who are going to get 2,000 yards every season now. It's, you're going to see receivers almost getting that now. <laughs> so, again, you'd want the Giants to go after and get a really good running back, but that's just not, that shouldn't be a top priority for teams nowadays. Like, I can't even tell you what team really needs, to, there, I guess there is, there's only really one team that can tell you that needs a core or running back really bad, and that's the Bills. So they'll probably draft one in the first round, later in the first round, since they got a late pick. So, so I was thinking, who do you think the Cowboys are going to look at? I don't know. If- like I've said multiple times that I don't really know very many of the players in this year's draft. I just didn't really take the time to research them or go very deep. So, but I like you know we lost Lael Collins, so I would I would love to get Trevor Penning, but I don't know if he's still going to be there when our pick comes up like trevor mm-hmm. penning is massive and he's got a super high motor and he's got like this fuck you vibe to him that i really yeah. love yeah. and he's from you and i so that makes it even better um other than that you know we could pick up tyler linderbaum from iowa he probably wouldn't play center he'd probably play guard because we have biotish already well you lost i don't know if you remember this but you also lost connor williams yeah, that left guard to the Dolphins. That's what I'm saying. See, like Linderbaum could play left guard pretty easily. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, there's not a whole lot we need. Well, I shouldn't say that. Like, obviously, we need D linemen. We need to replace Gregory, but I don't know how deep the D line. What about, I, hmm? what about D-backs too? Didn't you lose a few there or a couple at least? Um. I think you lost Lewis. Well, fuck. One of them is about to maybe go to jail for being a Kelvin oh, Joseph. Yeah. Kelvin Joseph is maybe going to go to jail for being a like an accomplice to murder, pretty much. Yeah, 
because uh, he was like in in a car when somebody shot out of it and killed someone. Like I don't that. know. But I think there's some there are a lot of good D backs in this draft too. So I wouldn't be surprised if Cowboys look there too. So yeah. There's a lot of good cornerbacks and there's a few a couple of good safeties. So and I mean our I best cornerback see. isn't even that great. I love Trey Diggs and turnovers win games, but you know, he also gives up a lot of yards at the same time. It sucks when you see that stat. I mean, there's a trade-off, right? Like if you're really good in coverage, you're not going to get very many picks because nobody's going to throw the ball at you. Yeah. Plus, Trey takes more risks. Yeah. And again, football's a game where turnovers win you games. You get stops and you get turnovers and you win. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like it's not such a bad thing. It's not as bad of a thing as everybody makes it out to be. Him yeah. getting like giving up a lot of yards. It's not. If he gave up a lot of yards and didn't have any turn, you know, didn't create turnovers, then there'd be a problem. He wouldn't be on a football team. Yeah. Well, but, that's what that's what I saw all over Twitter from like Giants fans. It's just Trey, Trayvon Diggs is overrated. He just he gives up all these yards. And, so, and I kind of just, they're like, okay, look at how many interceptions he's got, though. <laughs> they forget that part. Like, because oh, yeah, yeah, I get trade off. You gotta create you gotta create turnovers and that's what he did. Yeah, he gave up mm-hmm. a lot of yards, but like did he really give up a whole lot of touchdowns? Like I assume he gave up a little bit, but I don't think it's an insane amount. Either way, I still think he had a great, great season. Yeah, the yards mm-hmm. get yards given up sucked, but eleven interceptions. Does that sound right? Yeah. That's pretty good because no one ever gets double digit interceptions anymore. Plus he did like, what? I mean, this year was his second year. Yeah, secondly, he has room to improve greatly in coverage. Yeah. Um. Did you ever? You didn't ever get like who? Who? Who do you want the Giants to take at five and seven? So now I want to say first is a lot of people say we should trade back with one of those picks. Not a bad idea. I get that. But if we're in a rebuilding process, I think we should take the best players available, like as fast, like, sounds right, but as fast as we can. So, like, if we traded one of those picks away, we would lose, you know, a chance at getting someone really good. So, like, we stay early with those two picks, the fifth and seventh. Like, I think that'd be the best move. Like, again, yeah, if you trade back, you get, you could potentially get a good player or you could get like more draft picks out of it. But, but this fifth, this loaded draft, I would I really want to go. So with that fifth pick, I feel like we need more pass rushing more than linemen a little bit now. Because we did pick up some linemen in the offseason. Like obviously we don't know if it's great yet. But like with our pass rush, we really only have Ojuari, who was that second round pick we had last year. And he did great for a rookie on our shitty team. So I was wanting, I want to go Kayvon Thibodeau, Morgan, with that fifth. And then with that seventh, that's that's a little iffy. I don't see um, Ikuanu, however you say that name, or Evan Neal there anymore. So my guess is it'll be Charles Cross from Mississippi State. So I really want to go Kayvon Thibodeau with that fifth and then attack with the seventh. So you'd rather... You'd rather take Cross than uh, Sauce Gardner? Correct. Yeah. Like, again, I don't want to say again, but like, 
if we do get Sauce Gardner there, or if we take a lineman with the fifth pick, I could easily see us getting Sauce Gardner with the seventh. Now, I'm not saying I don't want Gardner. I just don't think it's the most, and I guess I shouldn't say this, it's not the most needed position because, you know, we obviously want to go best players available. But I really think the best, better players are Kayvon Thibodeau or those three tackles I mentioned. I'm not saying Aiden Hutchinson because he's going to be gone by the before the third pick. Like, that's pretty much said. This seems like a draft where there's not really, like, a unanimous, like, top pick or a unanimous, yeah. like, top five. Like, it, it really seems like there can be a lot of ways this can shake out, right? Yeah. So maybe there are no linemen left by the time no yeah. offensive linemen are left by the time the seventh pick comes around after you already took a D end or Thibodeau and Hutchinson are gone by the time the fifth pick comes around, then you have to take a lineman and then you get a corner. Like it, it can go a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. And that's so like usually in these drafts, we usually figure out who's going first. And I don't think anybody knows who's going first for sure yet. That's the thing. I just don't see Hutchinson. I don't see him going past the third, but. Again, we no one really has an idea who's going first. Yeah, no clue. Mm-mm. And that's what I like about this draft is it's just, it's so fucking loaded. Nobody has any clue where anyone's going. I want to say I will be happy if we go between if we pick out of these four people. Or sorry, five people. We go: Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, Iquanu, Charles Cross, and Sauce Gardner. Because I do love Sauce Gardner. I love, him. but. I really think we should go Kayvon Thibodeau and one of them line first. Yeah. Because if we do lose Bradbury, we will need a corner. So so I will be happy if we get Sauce Gardner. I'm not going to get pissed off if we get him. Yeah. I think he's good. So Outside of the realm of football, there's some news, obviously, as the MLB season is active right now. There's quite a bit of news related to it. Specifically, and this comes to mind first and foremost because I'm a Yankees fan. But yesterday, the Yankees were losing by one in the bottom of the eighth, I believe, with two men on. They brought in a lefty pitcher, right? Lucas Luchke. Miguel Cabrera is standing in the batter's box with 2,999 career hits. Bottom eight, we're down one, mind you. The person on deck is Austin Meadows, who is a career like 176 average uh 50 some or no like 50 60 70 some something something really low career wrc plus against lefties he can't hit lefties now miggy at this stage in his career is not an elite hitter but he's better against lefties than meadow is against meadows is against lefties plus you put miggy on first base and there's a force at every bag right because there's one out and so we put Miggy on first base. We intentionally walk him. And everybody, I mean, see, I understand. So the, the people in Comerica boo like crazy because they're there to see Miggy get 3,000. So he was going into this game with 2,999. So Comerica's packed. And he's 0 for 3 at this point in the, in the day. So like Miggy had his shot already. He had three at-bats this game. But the people that are there, Boo the shit out, which, again, I get it. If you're there, you boo, right? Because this is the last game of the series. After this game, they, go, they went on the road to Colorado, I think. 
So the Tigers fans are there to see Miggy get 3,000. There's going to be a lot less Tiger fans that are able to make it to Coors Field to watch and see if he gets it. So I understand being in the ballpark and booing because you want to see it happen, right? But there are people on Twitter, pretty much every human being who's not a Yankees fan is like slandering Aaron Boone and so pissed off because how dare he use baseball strategy when Miggy's 3,000th hit is on the line. And also, granted, it didn't work. Like, Austin Meadows got, like, a 2-RBI bloop single. So it's easier for people to be like, oh, well, it didn't fucking work, so why do it in the first place? It was a good move. It was a good move to make. It was a good baseball move. And people are just so pissed about it and pissed at the Yankees. Plus, it's the Yankees, so people already are going to hate on the Yankees more than uh, pretty much any other team in the league just for being the Yankees. And, like, that's the thing that people forget about is there's this thing called strategy. <laughs> and, like, that was – I would I could see why you'd be frustrated seeing that, too, because it, some people just are down. Like, again, if you bought tickets to see it happen, okay, that's one thing. But the yeah. people on Twitter that are getting pissed that the Yankees intentionally walked someone because it was a smart baseball move, yeah. and, like – Lucas Luchke got interviewed after the game, and he was pretty much like, yeah, I mean, I expected Aaron Boone to intentionally walk him the whole time. Like, I thought it was a good move, and I figured that's what we would do. And then he was like, you know, we're, we're out there first and foremost to win a baseball game. We don't care as nearly as much as they do about him hitting this career accolade. Yeah. And, like, he's going to hit it anyways. So what? You know, you wait a game or two. He's going to hit it, and he's hit, like, pretty much every career milestone you could possibly want already. You can't fault the Yankees for wanting to win. They are actually at Comerica with the, tie, or with the Rockies, so. Oh, that's a home? That, that's home? Yeah, so, like, they still have a chance well, to fuck. see him. Okay, yeah. So then that, it makes even less sense. But, yeah, I could see the frustration there, too, because I was seeing that, too. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, it's, again, they want to see that 3,000 hit against, you know, Everyone wants to see against the Yankees. Everyone hates the Yankees, but like the Yankees, the Yankees again. I agree with you. Made a good move, and that's what you want to do. You want to look, get, you know, you want to turn double play because there was. You said there was one out. I think so. Yeah. So double play, and that they make that they make double plays look easy. <laughs> so yeah, it it just fascinates me the mental hoops that people will jump through to be able to hate on the Yankees. Like they yeah. will do anything possible. To hate on them, like for the smallest shit, it doesn't matter. They will do so many mental gymnastics to reach that point. Another, you know, kind of Yankees related thing, I guess. Um, Luke Voigt was playing the Reds, and you know, his big old fucking like 240 linebacker looking ass comes chugging around third and. There's a throw at the plate that's to the left of the dish. Like mm-hmm. Stevenson, Tyler Stevenson has to go out of his way to get it and try to apply tag. And I don't know, like, I, I don't really know how it happened. It was definitely not intentional, but Luke Voigt like slides feet first and his arms and hands are like in the air. And then Tyler Stevenson, Stevenson's head gets like, 
caught in between Luke Voigt's hands as he's like bringing them down to the naked eye. You'd think it might be intentional because he like kind of slammed his head into the ground almost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, good on Tyler Stevenson for holding on to the baseball because Luke Voigt is not small. Like I said, he, he's a big dude coming at you. But Luke Voigt did not mean to like slam Tyler Stevenson on purpose. Right. And the funniest thing about it is afterward on Twitter or no, not on Twitter in a, in like a, I think a reporter, he was talking to a reporter or something, but Tommy Pham mentioned like, Oh, I know someone that owns a gym saying like, Oh, Voight should, you know, come fight me pretty much. And I'm like, dude, I, I appreciate the confidence. Right. But Luke yeah. Voigt would eviscerate Tommy Pham from the planet. He would give him like a one, two, you know, quick, quick little like left jab, right hook. Pham's gone. He's deceased. Yeah. I just don't, it's kind of a bad look to be like, hyping yourself, like talking that shit to a reporter. Yeah. Like, yeah, tell, you can tell Voight to come meet you at this gym all you want, but say that to his fucking face. I dare, like, Tommy Pham is not going to go up to Luke Voigt and be like, hey, you, my gym, we're going right now. I'm going to kick your ass. Like, no, Luke Voigt would look at him like, are you fucking joking? I'm going to bring my 2-12 and 12 record with me and kick <laughs> your ass. <laughs> it's just like, come on. First of all, let Tyler Stevenson stand up for himself. Second of yeah. all, you're not going to do shit to Luke Voigt. Yeah. You could bring a gun and Luke Voigt would still probably end your life. He'd yeah. find a way. He, he literally looks like he, he puts on the fucking brown Padres uniform and he looks like the most ripped UPS man you've ever seen. <laughs> you're not yeah. going to do shit against him. You're just not. No. I remember he was on the Cardinals. Like he was, he was, start, he was showing a little bit of a, um, potential and then we like traded him to the Rays or something and then he just absolutely just hated the Cardinals for that and then he went to the Padres and now he was the Reds and he's just a whole different person I feel like now so but yeah I, I did I did kind of see a little bit of that video how he slid into him like because like the way he slammed his hands down like maybe it was kind of a self-defense thing because I think mm-hmm. was the but ball coming get hit with the ball yeah that's a good point. I don't know where the ball was coming in from, but left maybe field, was, I think. Yeah, so maybe he was kind of trying to protect himself, kind of like kind of mm-hmm. thing. But also, you know, what else was he supposed to do when he tried to slide home? Like, obviously, there's going to be some contact there. Yeah. Like, I don't think he really meant to slide in there and just absolutely try to kill Tyler Stevenson. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. He didn't do so, it on purpose. No. Just baseball. Just happens. Exactly. It's just sometimes shit happens. Yeah, and Tyler Stevenson took it like a man. Yeah, I don't think I even heard heard him complain about it at all. Did no, you? he didn't. I mean, he made it. He tweeted about it. Something. Uh, there was like somebody posted the video, and said I don't remember what they said, but pretty much Stevenson quote tweeted it and just said, "All that matters is we got the out." Like that's a good response. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I don't think he really made a huge problem, but then nope. was like, let's fight, bitch. <laughs> yeah. One last baseball-related thing before we go. 
uh, not MLB related. Did you see the video of the Juco pitcher? Absolutely. Ray Lewis obliterate the fucking runner coming around third. I fucking saw that video. I was like, oh, what am I watching here? So then I kind of noticed the pitcher running. I was like, what is this guy doing? And I can notice the guy rallying there. Was, oh shit, something's about to go down. He fucking just annihilates his ass. Oh man. The coach just said something about, um, I think this guy forgot, or I think the guy forgot this was baseball or something. Like he fucking annihilates that guy. It was, it was kind of both funny, both like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh-huh. And of course, it happened in Texas. You know, of all places, it was in Texas. Did you ever hear anything else about that? Well, I heard that, I, I mean, I don't know what, but obviously words were exchanged, right? Like, the yeah. hitter coming around second must have said something. Yeah. But I, he must have, I mean, it must not have been like, yeah, fuck you, you know, I just took you deep, your ass. It must have been like, he was rounding second, and he's like, yeah, I fucked your mom and your sister last night while your <laughs> dad watched. Yeah, like you just going to town. Like, hey, I see your your sister in the stands. Yeah, I'm I'm meeting her up at her place afterward. Like, yeah, he didn't just. He must not like. It must have been beyond baseball. He brought that motherfucker's personal business into that taunt, or else like there's if somebody's rounding rounding second and they're like, yeah, you fucking ass. You see that shit in the in the goddamn bushes? Okay, the pitcher's like pissed, right? But he's not going to tackle you. He only tackles you if you're like, yeah, I fucked your sister. How's it feel? <laughs> and then, homie, and then, you know, because, like, before the pitcher even does anything, the umpire standing in between second and the mound is, like, walking towards, kind of, like, walking towards the batter, like, walking along with him. Like, he's listening to what he's saying or something. And then the pitcher just takes the glove off, drops that bitch on the ground, and sprints at his ass. He, I think he plays football. He had a good angle for suit. Yeah, it was impressive. I mean, <laughs> the the fucking runner saw it coming, and he was like, "What? What do I do?" Like he didn't. He he looked, and he just like kind of slowed down. But he's like, "What the fuck? What like like what?" I mean, I agree. What the fuck do you do? It's baseball, and you see the pitcher hurtling at you. You don't assume he's gonna tackle you, and then he did. He just laid his ass out. And I'm amazed yeah. that there wasn't like a full on brawl, like World War Three benches clearing, haymakers being tossed. Like if I saw my teammate get tackled like that, I would be flying at that pitcher. And did you see how fast the bolt the the kid got tackled? That team's bullpen or not bullpen, but dugout just absolutely empty. Like everybody was there in like two seconds. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. How do you? How I don't know. I. Like, that motherfucker has to have gotten kicked off the team, right? Like, you can't stay on the, the team. Well, here's that. the other thing. So, that, what, was that college? Yeah, it was JUCO. Okay. Well, I, I assume it still worked this way. But, like, I think that kid could, that guy could press charges on him. Uh, yeah, but that's fucking assault. Yes, that is assault. Yeah. And that's like, worse I than would... fucking Will Smith giving Chris Rock the haymaker at the Oscars. <laughs> Like, that's assault. This is fucking something else. Yeah. I doubt that kid did that. But I would. Are you kidding? That's a good point. If somebody packed and, like, if there was a video of me getting absolutely smoked, 
going around the internet, going viral, I would press charges in a millisecond. Yeah. Like you fucking embarrass. I mean, it's not really that embarrassing. Like, I don't know who the kid is. And also like, it's not his fault. He got smoked. But like, yeah. if a video of me like that was going around because this dumbass assaulted me, I'd be like, yeah, you're going to fucking court, pal. It's like, it's baseball. It should be a contact sport. So like, why is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> Like running into a catcher when there's a play at home plate is one thing, but holy fuck. This pitcher might as well have fucking tombstone pile drivered him through third base. I think that about wraps up episode two. So yeah, uh, look out for episode three, Thor Ragnarok, and then it'll be followed up by some more sports talk or general life discussion like we did today. We hope you enjoyed. Brad. We out.